This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. We're exposing the deep state and the shadow government for the full two hours. Paul L. Williams, co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America, is standing by, but first... Some quick programming notes. There will be no live YouTube stream again. Uh, We're in summer mode, folks, but they will return sometime in September. Uh, However, the audio from this show will be posted on the YouTube channel in a few days, so be looking for that. And if you haven't already done so, please hit the uh, the red sub button on uh, the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show. As I say, we are in uh, summer mode, and that means uh, that my live YouTube uh, stream producer Ryan is off. Albert, my story producer, is off. However, Ian Robertson, my fine rockabilly friend, is behind the glass, twisting the knobs and the dials and the doodads. Incidentally, uh, his band, the Grease Marks, has a, a new album out. And please uh, check it out. Buy it. Buy some for your friends. At, and please help send this young man to college. Uh, and it's available at greasemarks.com. Is that right, Ian? Greasemarks. That's it. All right. Uh, Next week on the program, Carl Gallops, the pastor Carl Gallops, my good friend, he has a brand new book out. And by golly, I think I wrote the foreword. And uh, the book, incidentally, is called Gods of Ground Zero. So Carl will be here again for the full two hours. All right. Let's dive into the deep state, shall we? Let me crib from the, uh, the inside the dust jacket here. Pride, greed, and power have driven men to do the unthinkable, including selling out their nations and unsuspected citizens to the most corrupt and destructive, invisible global leaders on Earth. But how did this happen on American soil? How did the downfall begin, and who were the predators that the land of the free and home of the brave fell victim to, and how is all hope, and is all hope lost? And as I say, the co-author, Dr. Paul L. Williams is a journalist and the author of 15 books, 
including Among the Ruins, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Catholic Church, Crescent Moon Rising, The Islamic Transformation of America, The Unholy Alliance Between the Vatican, the CIA, and the Mafia, and uh, which is being made into a, a movie series for AMC Network. Well done. And he is the winner of three first-place Keystone Press Awards and has written articles for major news outlets including USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Newsmax, The Counter-Terrorist, and National Review. He holds a Ph.D. in philosophical theology from Drew University and has served as a consultant on organized crime and international terrorism for the FBI and an adjunct professor of theology, humanities, and philosophy. Dr. Williams, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Boy, now I, now I sound important. That's, it's great to be on your show. <laughs> I was going to say, we've got to get you a job. You don't have enough to do. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that sounds like a great guy. <laughs> Are you literally <laughs> writing a book while we're doing this show? <laughs> I am writing a book while we're doing this show. That's the truth. <laughs> okay. All right. The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. Uh, we've got two hours, but even that is not nearly enough to even scratch the surface. So I thought a good place to begin would be with uh, Cecil Rhodes. And uh, when people talk about secret societies and uh, or they say, oh, they don't, they, don't, they don't exist and it's all fantasy, uh, I mean, we need to look no further than Professor Quigley, uh, yeah. who, who wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope. He was a Georgetown professor, taught President Clinton, I believe, uh, um, uh, was thanked during uh, Clinton's inaugural address. He, he pointed out Professor, professor Quigley, and Quigley has talked about um, about the existence of this secret round table that was started by Cecil Rhodes. So let's start there. Who was Cecil Rhodes, and what of this r- secret round table? Well, uh, Cecil John Rhodes was a uh, was an Englishman who was the son of a uh, a minister. He uh, had asthma, and uh, when he was about seventeen, he went to South Africa to work on the farm of his brother. And in South Africa, the farm failed. And he went up north to Kimberley in South Africa to the diamond fields. And in the, in the diamond fields around Kimberley, he made a fortune. And he returned to England, went to, went to Oxford. Uh, uh, and at, at Oxford, one night after he became a mason in 1877, he had a vision. He had a hell of an idea. And he said that this idea, this is what he said. He said, the idea came before me like a wisp of will, and, and, and it was this grand idea of the entire world under one rule, and we could do this. this. This one rule could be established by a secret society, a secret society of British aristocrats and noblemen and bankers. And he had this idea in 1977, and then he went about and he formed the secret society. And uh, uh, that, that's really the start of everything. The secret society, uh, some of the members, you know, interestingly enough, were Nathan Rothschild, who, who, who of course, was, uh, had a, a banking empire throughout the world and ties to every, every bank, you know, in, in existence. Uh, another uh, member was Reginald Britt, who was the closest advisor to uh, Queen Victoria. Another member of secret society was Arthur Balfour, who became the, uh, the Prime Minister of England. Uh, 
Another member of the secret society was uh, William Stead, uh, the journalist, England's foremost journalist. Another member of the secret society was Arthur Primrose, uh, the fifth Earl of Rosebery, and the leading member of of the House of Lords in England. Another member was uh, Lord uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Albert Lord Grey, uh, another member of of, of uh, British Parliament. Uh, another member was uh, General George Chinese Gordon, the hero of Khartoum, who died in Khartoum. All these men had several things in common. One, they were all Masons. Two, they were all uh, graduates of Oxford. Three, they were all very much interested in the occult, many of them with, with theosophists. And uh, uh, even wrote, uh, Cecil Rhodes, to the end of his life, his library was just filled with, uh, uh, overloaded with books on theosophy. Uh, another, uh, they were imperialist. Uh, they were all tied to the Rothschilds they, in one way or the other, usually by their for their business interest. Uh, Primrose, for instance, uh, Lord Rose, Rose, Rosebery was uh, 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 Rothschild's son-in-law, uh, and they were all, for the most part, uh, pederast. They were they were interested in uh, like Cecil Rhodes himself and uh, Lord, Lord Rosebery and uh, Balfour. All these people were notorious pederast. Uh, they went to uh, these clubs in England where they could have relations with young boys. So it wasn't they were, it wasn't really the nicest of groups. No, and uh, but this group got together, and they they, they their first thought uh, under the direction oh it was formed as a circle within a circle his secret society. There was a circle and the inner circle was a circle of generals, and that consisted of of uh, Cecil Rhodes himself and the Rothschild and William Stead and, and Milner. And around that circle was uh, the circle of leaders, and uh, that consisted of Balfour and these other people. And then uh, uh, the outer circle was the uh, was a circle of helpers. And uh, by uh, 1889, that circle came to include uh, Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Manning, uh, who was the leading Catholic prelate. In, in London at that time, and also uh, General William Booth. Do you know who he is? I'm guessing he may be a, a, a descendant of John Wilkes Booth or a relative of John Wilkes Booth, I'm guessing. No, this guy was the founder of the Salvation Army. Oh, oh, interesting. And you see, what, they, what Rose and, 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 and Rothschild believed at that time, they, they believed that by bringing the Catholics in, they, they could institute something. This is going back in 1877 to 1889. They wanted to start an ecumenical movement so the Catholics would become more like Protestants, and that's why they were working with Booth and with Manning. And the Protestants, in turn, would be more open to Catholicism, which would open the way for a new world religion. That was part of the plot from the beginning. And was it, this all being sort of paid for? Because when I think of Cecil Rhodes, I think of the Diamond Cartel in South yeah, Africa. Yeah. Yep, you got to realize he bought up every diamond mine in he, the De Beers Mining Company, the De Beers mi- uh, Diamonds and Mining Company. It, it, with, with the, he, he, he owned that completely. He controlled 90% of the diamonds throughout the world in his lifetime. But he was funded. Uh, he, he bought all the diamond mines 
thanks to Rothschild. Right. So he was really joined at the hip to Rothschild. You really couldn't separate the two. Now, why, one might ask, why do we need a roundtable to do this? This is the height of the British Empire. Uh, the sun did not set on the British Empire at this point. They had pretty much everything locked down. What more did they want? Did they, I guess it's kind of a rhetorical question. I'm guessing they wanted the United States back, the colony they lost under King George III. Yeah, well, you see, at that time, this is why, yeah, but this is why they thought it was that, that a new uh, world order under British rule, a one world order, was possible. Just as you said, the British at that time, of course, they had colonies in South America, they had uh, Iceland, and they had uh, Canada, they had uh, uh, not only the British Isles, but they had Australia and New Zealand, they had, colon- they had India, they had uh, a, a, a many colonies in Africa. So, as a matter of fact, uh, 25% of the world land mass in 1889 was controlled by the British government. So they realized that, you know, this is not a stretch for us to take over the rest of the world. And by the end of World War I, they were really well on their way to doing that. Uh, And they realized that, number one, that the politics and everything were already aimed in that direction. But with Rothschild and with the bank behind them, they would also have the financing to make this possible. And the first thing that they decided to do, they were, their, their first uh, 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 thing they wanted to accomplish was the conquest of Africa. Rhodes wanted to create a railroad that would go from Cairo all the way down to Cape Town. And he wanted to take over, he wanted to drive all of the, like there were Germans in, 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 in Africa, throughout Germany colonies, there were Dutch colonies, and there were French colonies. He wanted uh, Africa to become red. British red. And uh, that's the very first thing that this society wanted to do, because Africa contained so many natural resources that were important at that time. Iron ore, coal, timber. And, you know, I mean, we're just in in really the height of the Industrial Revolution. And uh, so they they, they were intent on uh, taking over Africa. And to do that, what they did, his society, they instigated the Second Boer War that took place in 1899. The leaders of the the Boer War, including uh, Lord Alfred Milne, were all members of of the Rhodes Group. All members of the Rhodes Group. Every one of them was a member of the Rhodes Group. And uh, they they accomplished that. They they took... Oh, Rhodes and Rothschild, but when they formed the secret society, realized the importance of the press. They took over the press. Uh, Jeffrey Dawson, who was the editor of uh, the uh, the London Times, became a member of the uh, of the secret society. It was called the Society of the Elect. I already mentioned uh, William Stead, who was from the Pall Mall Gazette. So I'm guessing. I got sorry for the interruption. I've got to break away here, uh, Paul. But I'm guessing a lot of like the foot soldiers, maybe those not in the inner circle, thought, "Hey, what's wrong with spreading, uh, you know, British civilization to the world? We'll be helping out these developing countries." Many of them, I'm guessing, probably thought in their hearts, in their minds, that this was this was good for the world. That they weren't. There was no necessarily any animus or, or nefarious intention. They wanted to bring civilization to the world, so I'm guessing perhaps uh, this may have been why 
they were able to recruit people like editors of newspapers and so forth. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. The killing Absolutely. of Uncle Sam. Let me answer that. That's the truth. All right. The killing of Uncle Sam, the demise of the United States of America. Co-author Paul L. Williams is with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Afraid of the Dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Dr. Paul L. Williams, The Killing of Uncle Sam. We should mention uh, the uh, the co-author, Rodney Howard Brown. Uh, not with us tonight, but we are delighted to have uh, Paul with us. And um, we were talking about uh, the uh, the secret society under Cecil Rhodes and uh, trying to, to uh, take over Africa. Yeah, um, the Second World War. Let, yes. Uh, so Rodney Howard Brown, since you mentioned his name, is a South African. He was born and raised in South Africa, and, you know, when I got together with him, I mean, we did a lot of research into Rhodes himself. Any listener, by the way, you should read the, the primary works by, Rhodes, by Cecil Rhodes. Uh, don't read the secondary sources. Read him, and you'll find out what he says about, about his, his plans. And, uh, and uh, once again, people like William Stead, who was a member, and Milner, all these people were prolific writers. And we have exactly, I mean, people can go back and they can verify exactly what they want to do and how they accomplished what they accomplished. And I mentioned Professor Carol Quigley, Georgetown yeah, University. Yeah, well, Quigley's a secondary source, but an, an excellent one. But, but he did the, the, he did the, write about this, and he uh, and he had access to the to the archives, right? The, the Rockefeller he archives. Did. He did. But the thing that's interesting is Rhodes himself wrote. I mean, all this, you know, his writings. You can still you can you, you can still obtain them. You can even obtain them on, on the on the internet. And you can read them, and uh, you can read his his speeches and his his writings and his plans for the secret society. And you can read uh, you can read works by members of the secret society, like I told you before, like uh, Milner, who was very 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 prolific. And you know, I mean, these people documented what they did. Stead, they were all prolific in in, in writing. So anybody can document uh, what we're talking about right now. But in Africa, they they instigated they they instigated the Second Boer War. The Boers were the Dutch who were in in South Africa. Uh, at the end of the war, they placed all the Dutch and everybody who opposed them in concentration camps. The first concentration camps in uh, in, in 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 history, and uh, they killed hundreds of thousands of them. And after the, the Second World War, they set sights on the United States. And they, they wanted the United States to become reunited with Great Britain in this attempt to forge a new world order. And they, 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 it was easy for them to do that as well, because through, through Rothschild and people like uh, Lord Rosebery, they were, Rothschild and Rosebery were very, very close to people like Andrew Carnegie. Very, very close to to J.P. Morgan, very close to John D. Rockefeller, and they got in contact with these people, and they they, they wanted to form 
a chapter of their secret society in the United States. And they did that through J.P. Morgan, who in uh, 1903, when this, this chapter was set up, was the richest man in America. He had he, he bought uh, 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 he, he bought Carnegie Steel uh, from Andrew Carnegie and he, f- he formed United States Steel. He owned all he he was a major controller of all the railroads throughout the country of, of the iron ore mines, uh, a great landowner, uh, uh, banking businesses uh, uh, in France and in London, in uh, Germany, uh, and, and of course in New York. He was, uh, once again, the, the, the richest man in America and the most wired. He formed at the Waldorf Astoria uh, Hotel uh, the uh, Pilgrim Society, which was a, really a chapter of the Rhodes uh, Secret Society. And what year was that, Paul? That was 1903. 1903. All right. So pre-formulation uh, of the, uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, but there, right. I mean, they had, I don't know if, if Rhodes was behind earlier attempts, but even going back as far as, uh, let's say, for example, uh, um, was it Hamilton? Uh, who, oh, yeah, you, you're going back to the central, yeah, there, there are two central banks in the United States. Right. One, of the, one, one with Hamilton and one uh, that, that was instituted after the War of 1812. So Rothschild had a history here, and he wanted to, to create a uh, another central bank, and that that was really... Part of the reason, look at this. The, the plot. I'm glad you're telling me this because you're, you're jarring my memory. That what they realized they had to do do several things in order to unite the United States with Great Britain again and to create a new world order. One is they had to take control of the media. They could do that through in the United States through Morgan, who ended up controlling the Hearst newspaper in, in, uh, empire. The 25 uh, of America's leading newspapers, including New York Times, Washington Post, were all, all owned by Morgan. And so he bought uh, them from from William Randolph Hearst, of course, who is the yeah, well, inspiration for Citizen Kane. Yeah. yeah. He, the, the and, guy that uh, said, you, you get me the pictures and I'll supply the war. <laughs> there you go. So, he, he can, you know, they could control the media through... Uh, through Morgan. And once again, the, the interest, this is another thing, the interest between Carnegie and, and Rockefeller and Morgan were so intricate and so interconnected that John Moody, who was America's foremost financial analyst in, at the turn of the century, said it's impossible to separate what belongs to Morgan from what belongs to Carnegie and from what belongs to Rockefeller. They're all intermeshed. So it was really from the from the start these three families formed a cartel. What about the Forbes family? Because they talk about the Boston Braymans, those that group uh, no, of no, no, not, not no? like the no, no, no. Look, look, look at that. They, you, they're, they're minor league players compared to these three families. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, minor, minor, minor. You got to realize that uh, you know Car- uh, Carnegie made his fortune through, of course, through steel, and I, you know, and then Morgan took over that steel industry, and. Uh, and uh, Rockefeller was was becoming one of the wealthiest men. He was the third wealthiest man in, in, in America when the Pilgrim Society was formed. But at, by the end of World War One, he was the Rockefellers were the, were even richer than the Rothschilds. Amazing, because of oil. Ah, yes, indeed. St- uh, you know, Standard Oil, and you got you know, I mean, that's that's a 
that that's all part of the story. You know, we have uh, a, a the, the current president who likes to use the ter- you know the term deep state and 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 made it vogue again. I mean, we we've been using that term for many years, twenty years on this on the radio program, and you, I'm sure, have, have been writing about it for that long. And now, of course, it's it's just this uh, it's just thrown around. But at the time, in the early 1900s, when you had uh, like Teddy Roosevelt, uh, was he? Was he uh, on side with them, but playing like the the, the like Teddy was... Roosevelt screamed from the rafters that there's a uh, there's a secret society afoot seeking to control the government. Ah, he warned so... the American people about it. All right, so he was kind of the disruptor, and he warned them. He said, "This is happening." Uh, now, going back to the Pilgrim Society, this is important for where you, I know where you, you want to be headed. Uh, the members of the secret society came to include Elihu Root, who was the Secretary of State at that time, uh, uh, people like uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, but more importantly, uh, Henry Davison, Frank Vanderlip, Charles D. Norton, Nelson Aldrich. Paul Warburg. Think of these names, right? Right. Vanderlip, Davison, Norton, Aldrich, Warburg. These people formed the Pilgrim Society, were the original pilgrims. These very same people, the exact same people, ended up where? They, they ended At, up on Jekyll Island. Uh, Jekyll Island, creating the Federal Reserve. That's it. Very same people. And all under the all under the the governance of J.P. Morgan, and the the plan in the beginning was to take control of the U.S. economy, and by creating the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve took control of the of of of, of America's money, the manufacturing of money. They could create prosperity produced by producing a lot of cash. They could create a, a depression by withdrawing the cash. They could have some businesses boom by loaning them, by, by providing money to the banks that are seeking money, or they could all cause other businesses to fail. They controlled everything. And, and, and they, when they met at Jekyll Island and when the Fed became into effect in 1913, you got to realize the federal the Federal Reserve System that governs the, 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 the economy of the United States, number one, is not federal. It's privately owned. And the owners, the shareholders from the beginning were the Morgans, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Schiffs, the Warburgs. Many of them, a great deal of them, were not Americans. And they owned the Fed. They own the Fed. Right. That's right. what's important to realize. Talk to me Not about the, how they that... It and they still do own it. Talk to me about, because this is kind of a contentious issue, how this was passed. Some say that it was rammed through during a Christmas recess yeah, when there was no one sitting in the house, very few people, nobody read it. So talk to me about how it, how, it's, how it was passed, the Federal Reserve Act. Well, it, it, it passed through because through a variety of ways. One is that Aldrich... Uh, Nelson Aldrich, who was a, a leading senator, was at Jekyll Island and was a member of the Pilgrim Society. And uh, he provided payoffs to a lot of the other senators and congressmen to vote in favor of it. 
that's one thing that people aren't even when you read things when you read wonderful books about Jekyll Island, you, they, 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 including the, the work by Griffith, they, they failed to take into account the payoffs. Right. These people were received money to support the Federal Reserve, and that's why they all agreed that the that they to to pass that uh, that, that, that act. Uh, right before the Christmas break in 1913, and it did pass. And as I said, the Federal Reserve is privately owned, still is. It's not federal. It's not a reserve. They have no money in, in reserve. That's complete fallacy. There is no reserve. Right. So they create they they create money literally out of thin air, and exactly. And immediately, I mean, upon lending it to the banks, who then loan it out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's. Now, how and does this they happen? also provide the money to the government, right. and the United States government has to, has to pay these sons of bitches money. Well, here, well here's the thing: uh, um, the, the politicians, many of them, they love it because all of their pet little projects, they no longer have to go to the voters and say we have to raise your taxes because the no. money is just created out of thin air. Yeah, yeah, and, not even, and now it's not even created. All it is is clicked on a, on a mouse. It's not even created. Right, right. Um, you know, but how in much? any case, they create the Federal Reserve, right? And by that, that by that time, at the beginning of the the, the uh, uh, that was the first stab in the heart of Uncle Sam, because they, they, Uncle, you know, we the United States lost control of its economy. It was now in private hands. Were there no constitutional challenges? Because according to the the Constitution, the the, the federal government is responsible for minting the money. Exactly. Where were the exactly. challenges? Where were the core challenges? There, there still hasn't been. And not only that, but the Fed is, uh, you know, the, the Fed has never really been audited. No, that's true. That's so, true. How would you absolutely. do that? I mean, I know this I is mean, a bit of a... And the entire operation, of course, is the, the, they, they say, oh, the, the, the chairman of the Fed is appointed by the president. But, you see, the, the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C., doesn't control the Fed. The, the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve in New York controls the Fed. Ah, and who appoints and him? The 13 Federal Reserve banks, they're all beholding, not to, this, not to Janet Yellen or, or the, 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 the head of the, the, the Fed in, in Washington, D.C. They're beholding to the chairman of the Federal Reserve in New York. It was I, like that from the get-go. I did not know that. Listen, we have to take another time out. This is fascinating, Paul. I uh, appreciate your, your staying with us for the full two hours. The Killing of Uncle Sam, the Demise of the United States of America. We'll be back with Dr. Paul Williams right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with uh, Paul Williams, co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam. Right now we're talking about 
of the Federal Reserve, and you were telling me, this is something I didn't know, that the real power rests not with the federal chair, but with the chair of the New York uh, Federal Reserve. How did that, why, and how did, who chooses the... Because, because look, it it was all all a a dog and pony show from the beginning. The, 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 The people believed, oh, and they still believe that, oh, the chairman of the Fed is appointed by the president. We have control. No, no, no. Yeah, that's a point. That's, but th- that bank is beholden to the Federal Reserve in New York by the, ver- by the very structure of the Federal Reserve System. Benjamin Strong, the first leader of the Federal Reserve in New York, controlled everything. Mm. Now, I, I think yeah. I, I mentioned this when you were on uh, my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, um, that uh, up here in Canada, I believe we are the only uh, country in the G7 that has a, um, a truly a central, we have a central bank, bank that is owned by the Canadian people. The Bank of Canada uh, is owned by the people. It was, it was nationalized in the 1930s by Prime Minister uh, William Lyon Mackenzie King. And at that time, the Bank of Canada Act allowed provincial, municipal, and federal governments to borrow from the central bank uh, at not zero percent interest, but very low interest. But they they couldn't borrow, you know, limitless amounts of money. It was it was proportional to the the as a percentage of their total budget. Um, and this is how early infrastructure projects like the, the St. Lawrence Seaway was built, the Trans Canada Highway. This is how we built. Or this is how we paid for our war effort during the Second World War. And then, lo and behold, during the 1970s, Prime Minister Trudeau stopped borrowing from the Bank of Canada. And now, of course, we all borrow from the, uh, the, 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 the Central Bank of Central Bank, the, uh, the, the Bank of International Settlements. So we borrow, we borrow from international lenders. But this, uh, they are totally ignoring the Bank of Canada Act in this country. Whoa. Uh, that, that, that's where we're headed, because the Bank of International Settlements, after the Federal Reserve was created, what the, uh, the money cartel... Once again, the control of the Fed, the Federal Reserve was controlled by the Pilgrim, the, the same people, the Rockefellers, the uh, Morgans. Okay, mm-hmm. those two families really not even Carnegie them because he was phasing out, and he only had one uh, offspring, a girl, and uh, she just she became insignificant. But these two families, by and large, controlled the uh, Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, during the 1920s, when they had control of the economy, they, 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 and, and since Morgan and Rockefeller controlled the press, they, they started encouraging the American people and people throughout the world to invest in the United States stock market. And they said that the press, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Herald Tribune that was in existence at that time, uh, they, 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 they all kept, and every day, day after day after day, Richard, promoting this idea that, look, at if you invest $100, just $100, you can buy $1,000 worth of U.S. stock. Right. Ten to right. one. Right. That's all you need to do. Highly you leveraged. You give us $100 and you got $1,000 worth of stock. Yes. You can be, get rich in the stock market. And they have something that was attached to this. this. This was People were buying things on Western Union at that time and, you know, the, the, and over the phone. I mean, they, they weren't long contracts. They were, they were wired. They were, you know, everything was done, you know, really 
in a very slow manner by phone and by Western Union, and attached to this this uh, twenty uh, to this agreement that you could get a thousand dollars for a hundred, and buy if you buy stock, we can buy more and more and more stock for you know ten thousand dollars. You could buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. Well, the stipulation that the bankers had at that time, the Federal Reserve had at that time, was this was all subjected to a 24-hour call. And in 1929, what happened was the Federal Reserve called all these notes. So if you, you, had, you had this stock, you, you had, you had a, 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 a $100,000 worth of stock, that you had purchased for $10,000 overnight in 24 hours, you owed $100,000. Right. How did the Fed, why, why did the Fed have that ability to call? Because what they did, look at, everything is contingent on the money supply. They instantly cut back the money supply. Cut back the money supply, the 24-hour call came into effect. The stocks went right through the, through the, uh, uh, through the seller, right, and and the Morgans and the Rothschilds and the Kennedys and all these families could buy uh, could buy securities for pennies on a dollar, right, they and that's what in. happened, right, and it buy was it. all engineered, and the American people fell into a depression that could was only alleviated by war. We'll uh, take another time out. We'll come back and continue with the killing of Uncle Sam, the demise of the United States of America. Dr. Paul L. Williams, my guest, stay right with us. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Dr. Paul L. Williams, journalist, the author of 15 books, including Among the Ruins, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Catholic Church, Crescent Moon Rising, The Islamic Transformation of America, The Unholy Alliance Between the Vatican, the CIA, and the Mafia, and uh, the latest, The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America, as I say, which is uh, co-authored by Rodney Howard Brown. And uh, we've been talking about the uh, the Federal Reserve and the Depression. Of course, this was uh, the, the the Fed. The idea of the Fed was sold to the American public and the and the representatives as this is going to stabilize the economy. You're not going to have wild swings. You're not going to have you know crashes and and uh, high inflation and so forth. It'll even everything out. But but I mean, if you look at it from 1913 until now, I mean, how many deep recessions have we had? Prior, uh, 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 compared to say pre-Fed, I mean, I know we had we had a, a, I think it was a serious depression in the was it the eighteen eighties? Uh, yeah, and there was there was a uh, there was a great deal of turmoil in nineteen oh seven, but nothing like. No, uh, but right now, I mean, right now in America, in the United States of America, excuse me, what you what you have is the American people, they could go into a recession tomorrow. Tomorrow, right, right, and it's not not because of of industry. It's not because of commerce. 
It just uh, could be at the will of the governors right. of the Federal Reserve. Right. It has nothing to do with the fundamentals fund. of the economy. It's, as you say, it's, it's this, this force that is distorting, constantly distorting the markets uh, to the yeah. point where we really have no markets anymore. So um, you mentioned aud- auditing the Fed. Oh, well, let me be, Richard, if I, if I yeah. may, since you brought up the Bank of International Settlements. Yes. Could I touch on that please for one do, second? Please do. Okay. Uh, what happened was, during, after creating the Depression in the United States, what happened was FDR, who was completely controlled by, these, by the cartel, put out an, an executive order that the gold of every United States citizen was to be confiscated. Now, my grandfather had, at that time, gold coins. He, he owned a, uh, a, a, a they, they, they called it a five and ten store during the 1930s. Right. The government came in and took all of his gold coins. You weren't allowed to have gold coins. You weren't allowed to have gold. Your gold was taken from you, confiscated. If you did not, they came in your house, the police, and took it. People aren't aware of this now. And if you didn't give it up, you went to jail. Did they pay market value? They paid market value, but market value then was it was set, I think, to, for like, uh, something like $12 an ounce. Right, right. Okay, now all the gold that was taken from the American people, all of the gold, and uh, went was collected and went to the Federal Reserve, and they had a huge vault at the Federal Reserve of New York, like, I, like as I said, which is a central Federal Reserve bank. They have a huge vault underneath there, and all the gold was, was uh, shipped there. And there was so much gold that they had to create Fort Knox. And uh, all this gold in the 1930s was transported to the Bank of International Settlements to create the Bank of International Settlements. That was all with the gold that was confiscated. So there is no gold in Fort Knox. Americans, United States citizens were robbed, uh, fleeced, uh, I I mean, uh, uh, tarred and feathered. (laughs) uh, How do you know, how do we know for certain that there is no gold in in Fort Knox, that it was shipped to, where is, is that in Bern, Switzerland, the Bank of International Settlements? Yeah. Yeah, that's in Bird's Oh, that look at that, 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 the the wonderful thing about that is all of these things are are. I mean, that's all people need to do is to really read. And they, right now, there's no excuse for it. They don't even need to buy books. I mean, you can go on your computer and you get the primary sources of this. The confiscated gold. Where did it go? Where did it go? Just go to your computer, Google it. And you'll find you'll find the, you go to the, you get primary sources. So during the Cold War, a lot of uh, and go, the Bank of International Settlements. Let's let's right. talk about that for one second. Okay, second. all right. That's the central bank of central banks. It was created by the Rockefellers and uh, the Rothschilds and uh, uh, the Morgans, and that 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 that's a central bank. That means that that, that the central banks of in in Japan. In, in Germany at that time, in France, and uh, in, in South Africa, in uh, throughout the world, all the central central banks get their funding from the the Bank of International Settlements. That too is private, and the shares are primarily owned by the Federal Reserve, members of the Federal Reserve uh, in the United States. Right, right. So. Uh, let me just go back to Fort Knox for a moment, because uh, so the idea that there is uh, no gold in, in Fort right. Knox, I think this sort of 
we, we got a glimpse of this when during the, the uh, Cold War, I think it was, or maybe even during the Second World War, a lot of countries shipped their gold for safekeeping over to the United States because they were worried about uh, the Nazis and then later the Soviets taking their gold. So when Germany recently came a calling for their gold, they were told it was going to take years and, and uh, they weren't even allowed to go down into the, uh, the basement to sort of take a ca- an accounting of their gold. So I mean, and then we it wasn't it wasn't there. It wasn't it there. It wasn't there. A, a lot of the gold in the 1930s. You got to realize you had a great upheavals in China, and all that gold from China, from the you know from the various dynasties. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the start of the uh, of Mao and that time the Great March. The, 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 all that gold from China was was flown in by Chiang Kai Shek into uh, into the Federal Reserve in New York, and from that. All that gold went out to the Bank of International Settlements. Ah, now China doesn't have a central bank. They own their center. They own their bank, don't yep. they? Okay, yep, they do now. And what right. about and what about Russia? Russia has a central bank. Always has. They have their own. No, no, they don't. No. Oh, interesting. Interesting. All right. And I'm guessing at one time Iraq maybe had their own, and then after Saddam fell, they no longer do. They, they, right. And exactly. same with Gaddafi, Libya. We're oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. He we're seeing, own, are we seeing, bank, yeah. are we seeing a pattern here, folks? <laughs> there you go, Canada. You better, you guys better watch out. Well, no, I mean they they've already accomplished that, but they just they just oh, they did they ignore the to the BIS. Yeah, yeah, they just ignore the the Bank of Canada Act, and no one talks about it. Um, anyway, so um, I wanted to you ask you. Let, listen, you guys up in Canada, you cannot let these bastards have your money. You can't because first of all, they're not concerned about Canada. Not one bit. They are. They they want to seize all the natural resources throughout the world. That's the end game. Look at money. There's a big difference between real what money and, uh, and, and 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 capital. Capital is real wealth, and uh, money is just paper. And these people want real wealth. They want the natural resources. Wealth comes from natural resources, from all the natural resources in the world, even like water, uh, gold, naturally. Any, any natural resource right. is a source of wealth. Land. I like to say anything you can drop on your foot. Not yeah, just, that's right. Not just, pap- not just paper. That's, that, that's right. But the, this money, the, your money, the money in the United States, the money for the most part throughout, throughout the world, is is just fiat money. It's made out of nothing. What percentage of the uh, I'm looking at it, like the U.S. debt? If you look at un, un unfunded liabilities, Social Security and Medicaid and all of these things, what, it's around two hundred trillion dollars or something. It's just uh-huh. astronomical. Uh, and that could never. But be you paid see back. that that's part of the end game. You right, see, the right. end game is for uh, Canada and the United States and uh, all, all of the free world to become socialist countries. Because under socialism, Rhodes, all these people, Rhodes, Rothschild, Morgan, Carnegie, these, they, were all, they were all socialist. Well, socialism for the rest of us and capitalism for them. Uh, no, socialism for all of us, and then and, and so they were all, dependent, were all dependent on the government, and they control the government. Right. I guess more of a, they're, they're more like feudalists. Uh, it's, 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 I, I, I think the right word is synarchy. S-Y-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Synarchy. You got a, a small group 
it's going all the way back to now Rothschild and and Rockefeller primarily who control everything. If you don't if you don't control your currency though, it's like having it's like not controlling your borders. If you don't control your own currency, you really can't have a country. If you can't no. control your own monetary uh, policy, what's the well, point? Well, they knew that in the yeah. beginning. Look at that. Uh, Rothschild said that uh, Meyer Rothschild said in the beginning. You know, he said, well, I, you know, if I control the money, I control everything." I control everything. I care not who makes the laws, right? Yeah, there you go. You can, good, Richard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and uh, look, that was only part of it. For, so going back to the Fed, yeah, they, they, they formed the Federal Reserve, this small cartel of people. And after that, what they did was they, they, they brought in immediately with the Fed the graduated income tax. This is all part of the demise of, of Uncle Sam. We never had income tax in the United States, uh, you know, prior to 1914. Right. Didn't and it was supposed to be temporary to pay for the war effort. Right. Right. And it was, and it was also su- supposed to be graduated so that the wealthy paid the lion's share, the poor people paid almost nothing. Well, what really happened was, in, within that uh, income tax, uh, within the federal income tax law that was passed in 1913, uh, what happened was there, was, there was there were ways to create tax shelters, and these tax shelters became known as foundations. So the Morgans and the Rothschilds and the Carnegies all set up these huge foundations. And the foundations, that was another part of the demise of, of Uncle Sam, because the foundations, in turn, started to fund all the school systems throughout uh, the United yes. States. The colleges and the universities, to this day, they kept funding them and funding them so that the, the colleges, the universities, the secondary schools all became dependent upon the, the foundations for their income. For instance, right now in the United States, even a, a school like Harvard or Princeton, do you know that 20% of their income, total income, comes from foundations? Makes sense, right? And a lot of it comes yeah. from the, al- so, the alumni. So what would happen if the foundations stopped giving them money? Uh-huh. That's you, right. Yeah, many of them, by the smaller colleges throughout the United States, would close. He who pays so, the piper calls the tune, so they tell them what to teach. They, they tell them what to teach, and they could, what happened was, this, this was really, really, really nefarious, because... They took control of the educational system. They, 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 they dictated exactly what should be taught. Uh, they, 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 they said about overlooking the hiring of the administration of, administrations of colleges and universities so that everything would be governed and according to their dictates. And that's what we're seeing right now. Well, that's I think we've all... It, sorry, Paul. We, that's we, why we, the, the, the college students, we, you know, that by and large, if you talk to them, and I talk to them all the time, and I, ta- I, I taught them, they're, they're, as, they're as thick as mud. Well, they, they don't read. There's that famous. They, there's that famous. They can't read or write. They, you know, duh. There's that famous you know, that, test that was published uh, um, online a number of years ago. It was a grade eight. I think it was from uh, someplace in Missouri, and it was a it was a it was a science test or a general knowledge test that was administered to grade eight students. And I, I tell you, when you look at those questions, it would it's 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 something a probably a university graduate would struggle with today. So this de- there is a deliberate dumbing down that's yeah, been going you know, on. You know, and part of it, you see, that was from the beginning. And they, they controlled, they, said they started to standardize everything, standardize education throughout the United States, standardize tests, standardize this, standardize, standardize textbooks. And to, uh, 
to such an extent that uh, that uh, right now, uh, uh, the, 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 and not only the standardized, but the students that, that everything had to be homogenous. If you had students who were very bright, and you you were you were segregating them from the students who were very dumb. That became no, no. That became a no, no in the United States. All right, we got to take a time out, Paul. We'll come back. Uh, The killing of Uncle Sam, the demise of the United States of America. Stay put. Hour two to come, right here on the Conspiracy Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the internet, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to uh, all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. All of you listening down the line on one of our affiliate stations, 38 of you now across North America. And of course, those of you who take the show with you wherever you go on either the Zoomer Radio app or the the, uh, Conspiracy Show app, both free downloads and both terrific apps, really the best uh, radio apps out there, I think. And uh, hey, they're free. Can't get any better than that. All of you who uh, check us out on the the YouTube channel, no YouTube live stream tonight. However, the audio will be posted to the YouTube channel in the coming days. Uh, so however, and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. All right, my good rockabilly friend, Ian Robertson is uh, with me on the other side of the glass. Albert and Ryan are off pretty much for the month, taking a well-deserved uh, holiday. I couldn't do the show without them, so they need a break. And uh, we are going into our second hour uh, with Dr. Paul Williams, who is the co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. And uh, Paul is a, a journalist, the author of 15 books, including Among the Ruins, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Catholic Church, Crescent Moon Rising, the Islamic Transformation of America, the Unholy Alliance between the Vatican, the CIA, and the Mafia. Uh, Incidentally, that is being made into a movie series for AMC Network. Paul is the winner of three first-place Keystone Press Awards and has has written articles for major news outlets, including USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Newsmax, The Counter-Terrorist, and National Review. He holds a PhD in philosophical theology from Drew University and has had and has served as a consultant on organized crime and international terrorism for the FBI and an adjunct professor of theology, humanities, and philosophy. Incidentally, uh, the website, if you uh, are interested in learning more about the book, is www.killingunclesambook.com. Uh, Paul, welcome back to Hour 2 here on The Conspiracy Show. So, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it seems like I never left you. Uh, We spent a lot of time talking about uh, sort of laying the groundwork. We talked about in hour one, uh, Cecil Rhodes and the Secret Roundtable uh, Society and this quest uh, really to extend the British Empire to the entire globe over all of humanity to control all of the resources. Africa, of course, was a jewel uh, that they wanted. And then, of course, they wanted to take the colony back, the United States of America, which they lost 
under King George uh, back in 1776, and and uh, that quest began with uh, the formation of this uh, uh, the Pilgrim uh, was it the Pilgrim Society? Yes. Uh, and who met at the Waldorf Astoria, and these were all the big mucky mucks, the elite of the elite. I mean, the 1% of the 1% we're talking about, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Morgans. Uh, they decided if you want to control uh, a country, you need to control uh, the money. And so they created, of course, the Federal Reserve on Jekyll Island uh, rather surreptitiously back in 1913. And um, they also then moved into controlling education through these endowments, uh, uh, the Ford Endowment, for example, and, and uh, the Carnegie uh, Group, and all of these that funded the schools to the tune of 20%. They wrote the textbooks. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we're telling tales out of school, so to speak, to suggest that, uh, you know, a, a diploma ain't what it used to be. So there has been this sort of homogenization, standardization, uh, a dumbing down. And, um, I mean, because I, I, I'm thinking you want a, you want a pliable, com, you want a compliant populace. You, want, you don't want, you know, uh, heretical thinkers and people who are going to say, hey, the emperor has new clothes. You want to train people to stack boxes, essentially. Right. And you do, you, you do not want uh, professors in your universities and uh, colleges and teachers in your high schools uh, teaching anything contrary to uh, what should be and what should be mandated to be to be taught well so so what do we have we have now in the universities we have certainly radical progressive uh, professors who are I would say by and large you would cat you would characterize them as being cultural Marxists um, I mean, they're certainly, you know, um, uh, not not sort of towing the party line, are they? I mean, or what well, is the party well, line? Well, do you know what? In, in, in 2011, there was a study undertaken of, of the United States undergraduate students, and they realized that uh, most, undergraduate, most students who graduated from colleges in the United States had uh, received a degree without reading 20 pages of writing. Uh, a third of the students, uh, 45% of them, uh, showed no improvement in critical thinking from the day that they set foot on, on their college campus to the day they graduated. Uh, another study showed that, uh, uh, that 25% of, the, uh, of America's graduates uh, were, uh, were reading on a, on, a, on a third and fourth grade level. Compared to 40 other uh, modernized countries, the United States ranked 17th in literacy, 17th in math, 21st in science. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. Right, it's just right. complete. I saw it myself. It, it, in, in, in the schools that I taught, they used to segregate. Uh, the, when I first graduated from college, I taught in Abington Heights and Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. And they used to put the, the brightest of the bright with, the, with, with fellow bright students, uh, average students with average students, and slow students with so, slow students. Now, this, this sounds right now outrageous, but that's the way uh, the educational system in the United States worked. And they, the bright students challenged themselves, and they got brighter. And uh, the average students uh, got better. And... Uh, but what happened was, right now, uh, because of, of, of legislation called No Child Left Behind, you have to have the, uh, the slowest of the slow students in with the brightest of the brightest. So 
somebody teaching there has to direct everything to the lowest common element in the classroom, which, of course, creates a real dumbing down, and that's what we're seeing right now uh, throughout the United States. But it's by design. Once again, the foundations are demanding that, and they control the, fed, the, uh, the educational system. But back, so back to the, uh, the radicalization uh, on college campuses. I mean, back in the 60s... It was all funded by the Rockefellers uh, during the 1960s, all funded. Right. I mean, back all in the funded. 60s, though, at least back in the 60s, you had, you had students marching for more free speech. You had students marching for, you know, more liberty, more protection against privacy. Uh, and now they're marching against free speech. You, we have cohorts, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of students being churned out who hate capitalism, who hate the First Amendment, uh, you know, who, who hate Western civilization. Well, they're, they're all being conditioned. They have been conditioned, and they really don't know what is taking place. They don't know anything about what we're, talk, we're talking about, the monetary system. Not, 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 not a damn thing about it. They know nothing about uh, the way that their schools are, are being controlled. Uh, they, they know nothing about the false flag attacks that have been brought us into war after war after war. They know nothing about what's, what, what's really taking place in the country. If you even talk to them, if you, and once again, I, I taught college for, for years and years and years. You know, uh, How did you survive? How did you survive? In the- I, I had to get out of it. it, was, it, it look, at, I, it, 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 some of my, my students, I, I, I became, toward the end, the, the dean of a college that I was teaching at used to just pass the students that I failed. Right. But, I mean, with your, with your views and your perspective, you would need armed guards to walk onto a college campus today. Oh, man. I mean, well, I, I feel sorry for them. You know, I, I received a great education, a wonderful education, and I came from a very poor family. I mean, my father was a thread salesman. But, you know, I, 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 I was a good student. I got a, a, a full scholarship. I, got, I received a great education in the United States. You know, I, I've got a background. I, I, my Ph.D. was in Latin. Now, I mean, who writes a Ph.D. in Latin these days? I mean, people don't even, you couldn't even begin to. I mean, but in those days, believe me, it wasn't extraordinary. It was not an extraordinary fact, you know, feat. Right. Um, Everyone that went to graduate school when, when I was at, 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 at Drew University, for instance, where I, I studied, there were only three, there were three people in uh, my division. That's it. Wow. Three students. And that's all they took. I want to talk about, I want to dial things back now. Uh, oh, get better, good. I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, this is all very uh, important Let's stuff. Let's go back. We, talk, we talked to, about the way that this cartel was formed at the Pilgrim Society, yes. the way they took over the economy, the way they took over the educational system. There's one thing I'd like to, if I could lead right into this. Yes, please. They took over the State Department. Uh-huh. That was an important thing. What happened was after World War One, they brought us into World War One. For and this is this is what's wonderful, Richard. If you talk to people in Canada, the United States, Britain, France, Germany, throughout the world, what caused World War One? Nobody. Well, <laughs> officially, we're told we're told that you know we're told we're taught that uh, you know the, the 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 German Navy was building up and that this was perceived as a threat to uh, to Great Britain. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, that is true. It, it was all about money. People think Art, the, the the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. All the, right. No, no, no. It was the fact that the that the that the British control of natural resources was being threatened by Germany. That exact, you're exactly right. And that was World War. But 
And look, at it was hugely profitable. It created the industrial military complex. It was highly profitable for the Morgans and uh, and for uh, Rockefeller. It brought, as a matter of fact, it brought it, it created uh, it created new technology with oil. World sure. War One. Sure. You know, I, before then, everything was was run by coal. And uh, World War One. You know, the, the British fleet was com- by the end of the war completely uh, operating. You know, using oil, so it, it, it brought about huge changes, huge enrichment for the for the Rockefellers. At the end of World War One, they wanted to create a League of Nations that failed. When that failed, what happened here in the United States is the Morgans, the Pilgrim Society, the same bloody players, Richard. This is, it's, the, the, the players don't change. The same Pilgrims that the created the society in 1903. They created the Council on Foreign Relations in 1920. And what happened with the Council on Foreign Relations is this, that it was formed just like the Secret Society, a, a, a circle within a circle within a circle within a circle, a private secret society, Council on Foreign Relations, no minutes, uh, uh, no records ever disclosed. Uh, even, even their membership rules now are, are withheld from from uh, from the public. But this one group, controlled by the Morgans and controlled by the Rockefellers, and totally, uh, they they uh, they they start to develop study groups funded by the foundations, and these study groups start to outline what this, the policy of the United States should be foreign and domestic. Right, and all their members end up being in the, in, in the yeah, exactly. administration. At the time of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right, right. Get and this. Every just... Secretary of State that we have had in the United States came from the Constitution. Every single one. And every undersecretary of state, the entire State Department was con- is con- and not is controlled by the Council on Foreign Relations. People right now will say, "Oh no, you're wrong, Paul, because Rex Tillerson is not a member of the Council." That's bullcrap. Rex Tillerson he was a member uh, and is a member of the United uh, the Council on Foreign Relations. He was the president of Exxon. Exxon is a leading member of the council. Then they say, oh, no, Pompeo. We have now Pompeo. No, Pompeo's aviation group is a prime member of the council. They're all controlled by the Council on Foreign Relations. That's our State Department, which controls our foreign policy and our domestic policy. What about Zbigniew Brzezinski? Uh, was he uh, total CFR. And he started the Trilateral Commission, didn't he? Well, uh, with David Rockefeller. Mm. Don't forget David Rockefeller funded right. all that. that. David Rockefeller funded the right. United Nations. David Rockefeller f- funded all these things. It all roads, leads back to David Rockefeller. We'll take another time out. The Killing of Uncle Sam. Paul Williams, stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio.
Welcome back to our uh, our two-hour special with uh, Dr. Paul L. Williams, the co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. Uh, the, uh, the other author is Rodney Howard Brown, not with us tonight, but we are happy, delighted uh, to, be, uh, to be with Paul. And uh, we are covering a lot of ground, and uh, even with two hours, we're just barely skimming the surface. Um, so we've been talking about the Council on Foreign Relations. And um, now... So the, the State Department taken over um, very, very early on. Now, would it be fair to say that the executive branch was taken over in November of 1963? I would say the, uh, no, I would say that, that, uh, 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 that the executive branch was taken over uh, in 1932. With FDR? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he was total. He was totally groomed by uh, the Morgans and the, and the Rockefellers. Totally, totally. Uh, from you know, from day one, he's the one that confiscated the gold. He's the one that brought in these uh, the big government programs. Uh, he's the one that uh, that brought it. That really lured us, uh, and we had no business being in World War II. Lured us in there to to further the the interest of the this this cartel. Uh, People say, "Oh, well, we had to fight Adolf Hitler, uh, and you know, we we ought to fight for the for the, we had to fight against the bad guy." Yeah, that that really makes a lot of sense because we were allied with Joseph Stalin, and uh, compared to uh, Hitler, uh, Hitler compared to Stalin looked like a piker. Uh, Hitler killed uh, t- t- ten million. Uh, Stalin killed a hundred million. So uh, yeah, but so but in any case, that's. What happened at, during, after World War II, this is important, too, the, the, this, the same cartel through, created the United Nations through the Council on Foreign Relations. And the United Nations, we, we formed a treaty, the federal government did, our federal government, with uh, the, a, a treaty between a country and an organization. I mean, Richard, it doesn't make sense. You can't have a treaty between an organization and a country. I'm sorry. Right, you can have right. between a country and a country. But we have a, we have a bloody treaty with an organization. In, in accordance with that treaty, we have been brought into war. Right. We have been brought right. into war. I mean, it's and under, 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 uh, uh, under foreign leadership. Uh, but in any case, they created the, the United Nations. Uh, after the, well, along with the United Nations, the same cartel created something called the World Bank. And the International Monetary Fund. Right. The American people don't understand this. It's all controlled. Do, do, do you understand the way that the World Bank works? The World Bank to, to, to developing countries and countries in need provides loans, billions of dollars in loans. All the loans, which are guaranteed by the federal government, by the way, uh, come from Chase Manhattan, Morgan Stanley, the same members of this money cartel, all the money comes from them. And the, very, the first stipulation of the loan is that they're paid back first. And, the way, the, the, and, if, they're not paid, and, and if they're not paid back entirely, and the, the, the demands are outrageous, what happens is the, the Rockefellers and the Morgans and the Rothschilds uh, can confiscate the natural resources right. of the countries that they loaned money to. Right, it's a fire That's why sale throughout Africa. Uh, the, the the Rockefellers and are, are now controlling, and the Rothschilds, the water supplies of different. Not only the water supplies, but taking the land and taking the land and putting people in 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 in, in repopulating the people in different areas. Right, they're taking 
all of the natural resources. They're raping and pillaging because these countries that are receiving loans from the World Bank can't repay them. It's happened time and time and time again throughout South America. It's happening time and time again throughout uh, throughout Africa. It's happening throughout uh, Southeast Asia. That these these bastards are taking from from the people their only their their only source of wealth. They're re, they're, they're, they're 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 taking up populations and resettling them in the camps in camps, and we're allowing that. And this is once again. This is so you wonder why people in South America right now, or people in Africa, or people in Southeast Asia hate America, hate the United States. Well, do you know why? Because they they they, they associate the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund with the United States. Right, but this the, these these groups and these people are are ultranational. They're above. I mean, oh yeah, th- this oh, is yeah. not it's the United to, States. I mean, I happen people I, don't matter. Right, and, to, and another thing to bring their aid to 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 seize natural resources, they have brought the United States into war after war after war for no reason. Right. I mean, and they say, oh, you have to. Sub- we have to support the military and say, oh, we're proud of your service. No, no, no. You should never go into the United States military right now because you're not serving the interests of the United States. You're serving the interests of a money cartel. I want to, uh, the money cartel right now in Libya, the money cartel right now that's interested in taking over Syria, yes. the money cartel that's, that's interested right now in, 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 uh, in, in taking over the natural resources uh, throughout Central Asia. I mean, please. I want, to, I want to make a couple of points here, though. One is what I, I think of the U.S. Constitution. I mean, I, I think that's one of the most important documents. I think it's a shining light. I think the idea of the United States of America. This experiment, this grand experiment, uh, is a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I think it has been you know, taken away from the people, but I think the United States of America, the people of the United States, the idea of the United States is a force for good in the world. Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, I, 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 look, I, in, in terms of the founding fathers of the United States, in, in, form, in, in terms of, of what America was supposed to be, uh, yeah, Richard, I agree. In terms right now of what we're doing, no. I mean, right now what we have, what we are doing is we are allowing a money cartel to take us into war after war after war, killing, killing millions and millions and millions of civilians for no reason except greed. Uh, I, I mean, there's... It, it's it's to, using weapons of mass destruction on, on a scale, on, you know, that, 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 that nobody could even imagine. George Orwell couldn't imagine dropping even even in Iraq, dropping nuclear weapons. I mean, please, in Afghanistan, nuke, nuking them, and nobody's writing about it. Dropping white phosphorus on on civilian. No, no, no. no. This is not what the people in the Constitution uh, that, that wrote the Constitution were thinking about. These are not what the founding fathers were thinking about. Uh, this is not Thomas Jefferson. This is exactly what they warned us against. And yet, right now, we're brought into war after war after war, and com- we are committing atrocities. You know, right now, the CIA is toppling governments throughout the world. We've done it throughout Latin America under Operation Condor. 
We've done that. We've toppled the, go- the government in Turkey two or three times, in Greece the same way. In Italy, we got rid of uh, Aldo Moro. We have toppled the government. And now people are saying, oh, the Russians are interfering with our, with our, our election process. Right. I mean, please, right. open up, realize what we're doing. And what we continue to do, and the CIA, once again, is not beholding to the federal government. The CIA is not answerable. The CIA is not answerable to Congress. It's not answerable to anyone. It's, it, it's, only, it's not answerable to anyone. And the CIA is funded, thanks to the money cartel, almost totally through the heroin industry. This is all fact. And yet the American, we, we know, Richard, we, I, we cannot, I cannot say right now in my country, as a man who grew up here and loved the United States, that America remains a shining light or a shining example. No, no, America has to, re, really, we have to get back and, and, and realize what we are supposed to be, and we have to take steps to restore our government. Every once in I mean, a while a president comes along that's not, reading off the the script. Of course, you know, we had uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, who who was trying to uh, revoke the, uh, the the charter for the for the central bank at that time, correct? The, right. Uh, we had, of course, Kennedy. Kennedy, right. Trying we wanted to, to same, mint our own money. Trying to do the same thing, which, you know, and both, of course, shot in the head in public, which sends a clear signal. Um, what about Nixon? I mean, because... I look at oh, Watergate. I, I look I, at Watergate in many ways as sort of a more sophisticated method of assassination. Well, that, yeah, but Nixon. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to. Uh, you know, I, 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 I grew up as a conservative. Uh, I, I wrote for National Review, as you as you mentioned before. I was a bona fide. I, I was on Fox News a gazillion times. Bona fide conservative, uh, but Richard Nixon did some atrocious things. What he did with with, uh, uh, with, with the trade status with China, for instance, right yes, now. Yes, I agree. What he did with taking the taking taking his total, all all the, uh, the, uh, the the dollar throughout the world off the gold standard. I mean, you know, I mean, he committed what he did in Vietnam. I mean, the, the atrocities, really, really atrocities. Oh, I, I agree that I don't think he was a great president. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, that when you have a president who doesn't, he's not doing exactly what he's told to do. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Then, absolutely. And, and rather than, uh, I mean, you know, I think the, the powers that be are getting a little more sophisticated in their methods. They don't use assassination anymore. Uh, they use they use scandal and blackmail they, and they uh, use Robert uh, Mueller, Robert and, Mueller. Uh, and people like that. Yeah, right. So, do you think that's what happened to Nixon? And if so, where do you think he went wrong in their minds? Why do you think they decided? I'm not sure that that happened to uh, you know. I, I, I okay. I, I never did. You know, I, 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 I was a fan of his when when when. Uh, but uh, I, I from what I I see and what what Nixon was doing in. In China, for instance, with Kissinger, Kissinger was, of course, CFR, you know, up to his eyeballs. And, and Nixon was surrounded with CFR people. I think people just didn't like him. I mean, the, you know, they, they control the press, but I can't see how he really ticked off David Rockefeller to the, to the extent that, you know, they... That right. I think that, that, that they're probably... probably it didn't matter. Look, at the president doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter that much. You know, uh, it didn't matter whether uh, Nixon was in there or Ford or Carter or Reagan. It didn't matter. 
doesn't matter. What about the policy's the same? They still control the State Department, right? What about they still control the economy? What they about still control of the educational system? There's this there's this legendary story, and I, I don't know if it's true. I want to run it by you that in the early '90s, uh, William Jefferson Clinton, then governor of a rather obscure state, let's face it, I think he was probably making about $48,000 a year as governor of Arkansas. No offense to the, the people of Arkansas. I'm just saying it's not, it's not one of the major you know, states that we think of. Uh, and so he shows, he's invited to a Bilderberg meeting where he meets David Rockefeller, who proceeds to give him sort of a master's class in how things are supposed to work and the globalization and so forth. He asks Clinton, do you agree with this? Clinton re- responds in the affirmative, uh, and to which uh, uh, Rockefeller extends his hand and says, thank you very much, congratulations, Mr. President. I, I think, Richard, it goes, no, I, I think people who, who are perpetuating that are unaware that William Jefferson Clinton was, a, first of all, a Rhodes Scholar. So he was taken into that. Every Rhodes Scholar is taking in, you know, I mean that's part of the uh, the road society. Sure, sure. Uh, to to perpetuate the uh, the. Oh, oh no, I'm not discounting the fact that he was brilliant. He is he is a brilliant man. No, no, man. no. I'm yeah. not saying brilliant. Yeah. He was a road scholar. That means that he was t- that, that that from the very beginning he was groomed for something. Right. And then uh, the the fact that when he was a governor of Arkansas, uh, drugs were running through his his country, uh, or through his state, excuse me, through Arkansas, like at Mena, the airport at Mena. And, I mean, he was all part of the system from the, from the get-go. Right, but I'm saying he was anointed at Bilderberg. Is that... He, I think he was anointed when he, when he became a Rhodes, a Rhodes Scholar. Ah. And any truth to the, uh, the, 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 the fable, the legend, or maybe it's fact that he was a, 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 an illegitimate son of one of the Rockefellers? You know, uh, he doesn't have that sharp Rockefeller nose. Take a look at the uh, the schnoz on uh, David <laughs> Rockefeller and right. William Jefferson Clinton. I, right. I, I don't know. I I keep hearing. You know, he's the. You, you know, let's face it, Richard. We've we've heard so many things about the. You know, uh, the heritage of certain people. For instance, of the Bushes, Barbara Bush. You know, uh, her mother was. Uh, her the Barbara Bush was the daughter of. Uh, of uh, that great Satanist, uh, Alistair Crawley. Oh, I haven't I heard know. that. Listen, i got to take a time out here. We'll come back. i got to pick up on that one. The Killing of Uncle Sam, Paul L. Williams, here on The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with 
Dr. Paul Williams, co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam. Now, uh, wow, what a cliffhanger. Just before the break, you laid a big one on us. The late Barbara... Well, we'll have to have another show on that one, Richard. You want me to talk about... about... Just briefly, the late Barbara Bush... Uh, oh, was a descendant of Aleister Crowley? I did not know that. I did not know that. Oh. Am I disappointing you? I didn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm here to talk about the killing of Uncle Sam. But if you want me to look at uh, such, such, since we're on, on the conspiracy uh, uh, show, I guess I, I, I just I, a couple I minutes. Should. I can't leave that out there hanging. <laughs> well, Aleister, what happened was Barbara Bush's uh, mother. Okay. Uh, was 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 uh, an heiress who was uh, uh, married to uh, the 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 owner and the uh, and the editor of uh, of uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying, two major uh, magazines in the United States. I, I think one was McCall's, and uh, I forget what the other one was. But her her mother who was a libertine, her name was Pauline, uh, went to, uh, went, w- w- left her husband during the uh, uh, 1918, 1920, somewhere around there, and went to England without him. And she was a libertine. And she ended up living uh, with uh, a friend of hers who was living with Frank Harris, who was a pornographer, and Aleister Crowley. Mm. When she came, this is all true now. This you can, this you, you can substantiate. When uh, Barbara Bush's mother came back to the United States, she was pregnant, and she was uh, three months pregnant. And that during those three months, she had been uh, she had been away from her husband, and she had been in Paris living with Frank Harris and his mistress and our Alistair Crawley. Now the word the 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 the, the scuttlebutt from that is that the the the, the offspring when she came back you know, let's face it it was it is very mysterious this I can't substantiate it, it her name was Pierce her real name was Barbara Pierce right, and she right. was married to McCall's and I'm trying to think of the other but she was a very very wealthy woman when she came back to her husband uh, she was pregnant and uh, the the baby was Barbara Bush right which would mean that. Uh, that, uh, if, if by extension, that uh, uh, George... George W. Uh, is the grandson or the... the grandson. <laughs> Aleister Crowley. Of <laughs> Aleister Crowley, the Why? great Satanist, who, of course, was involved in you know, all, all types of things. He was... Uh, no, this, this is, this, these are things that you can, you can pretty well substantiate on your own. All right, so... That, that's just a t- topic of another... It is indeed. Pierce. All right, <laughs> the uh, the the progeny. Well, look of, at her. Uh, you know what? You know what's interesting, Richard. Yes. If you take a look at uh, at Barbara Bush, she bears an uncanny resemblance to Aleister Crowley. Okay, I'll have to check I that mean, out. I mean, really, really uncanny. All right. Now we. This is a short segment, so I want to start this conversation. Then we'll uh, we'll run out of time, and then we'll continue it into our last block. But I want to okay. talk about. Uh, the man that uh, the mainstream media loves to hate, many on the left, even many on the right, uh, and that would be the great disruptor, the 45th president, uh, Donald Trump. Now, some would say uh, that, uh, you know, you, you look around him, you mentioned uh, Pompeo and Tillerson before that, CFR. Is he really who he says he is? Is he, is he the disruptor? Is he trying, to, is he trying to, to break apart the deep state, or is he part of it? Do you want me to to venture a guess now? 
Sure. Yeah. Perhaps. No. We'll start. No. We'll start the conversation now, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll carry it on after the break. <clears throat> I, I, the answer to that is Yanisnayu in Russian. I don't know. I really, really, truly don't know. He does a lot of things that, that, that lead me to believe that he is controlled by the money cartel, and yet he does uh, other things. I, I, I really, really, really can't answer that. The one thing that I do know is uh, the things that point that he may not be under the control of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers is that he's so reviled by the press yes. and that they control the press and That's they control great. the media. That's a great point. We've got to take a time out. I always say, if you, you know, if you want to understand who Trump is, look at the people who are aligned against him. It says a lot. The killing of Uncle Sam, the demise of the United States of America, more with Paul Williams on the other side, right here on The Conspiracy Show. governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Paul Williams. Final segment. Wow. Where has the two hours gone? This has uh, been fascinating. This is like a master's class in, in uh, the deep state. Uh, the Killing of Uncle Sam. And again, uh, that's available at Amazon. And the, um, the website for the book is killinguncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. And this, uh, yes. Richard, if yeah. I may interrupt... Uh, all the proceeds from, I don't make a dime from the book, all the bo- proceeds go to the River School of Government so that students can be educated, really educated in what's taking place and, and how they can how they can try to reverse things. And that, we should really talk about that for a bit. Yes. There are ways to reverse what, ha- what has happened. Well, let, let's, let, let's talk about that uh, for sure. Because, you know, you mentioned uh, this the School of Government Governance. Uh, one of the things that irks me is uh, even... Even uh, people who ought to know better, politicians, uh, constantly referring to the United States as a democracy. Oh, the founding fathers hated democracy. Yes, me too. They warned warned against it. Oh, yeah. It's the definition of the lynch mob, majority rule, tyranny of the majority. And, I mean, the way that our, our, our that, that this republic is set up in the United States, I mean, they, people should be aware of that with the Electoral College and, you know, that, no, this is... Was never, never, never meant to be in a democracy. Even, even I mean, in, originally only landowners could vote. Well, no, but you the know, idea that that that, that um, the idea is a good one. I think that that uh, you you know the Congress shall pass no law, 
and then you have this you know a long this laundry list of inalienable rights uh, which of yeah. course have you know been trodden all over but the idea again is what i'm talking about the uh, idea and, right but imme- immediately you got to realize the americans in my generation and just a few years ago willingly relinquished all their rights for the sake of security by acqui- acquiescing to the patriot act yes. and all these people who are uh, who are who are protesting and screaming on college campus? Now, you don't hear anything about that. Their rights, their bloody rights, have been taken away from them. I mean, come on! If you're going to protest anything, protest that. Right, right, yeah. Instead of protesting, uh, oh, free, yeah. freedom of speech, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, 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 and yeah. how anything that offends me is now hate speech and should be banned. Yeah, yeah, or uh, yeah, or, so it's ridiculous. So how? Well, let's you, let's talk about that. How do we, I mean, it seems insurmountable. It almost seems like, uh, you know, the elites have everything locked down and there's, it's too late. Is it? The answer is, it, it prob- there is hope, but the, the hope is only a ray of hope. Uh, for instance, the, 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 American, the people in the United States have to demand an audit of the Fed. They have to do that. Uh, the, the, the United States has to produce, begin producing real money, not paper money, real money. What does that mean? Uh, money though, based uh, on a commodity. What does that mean to audit the Fed? What would that entail? Well, right now you realize that, that, uh, that, 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 the Fed, uh, that the Federal Reserve remains exempt from scrutiny by the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, uh, the investigative arm of Congress. They, they don't, they, they don't, they don't disclose anything. Could that be changed by an executive order? So that could be that could be exchanged. That could be rectified by an executive order. But uh, it, that's very easy because the Fed isn't really part of the government. Right. Right. Okay. That could be done. So, I mean, Rand Paul and Ron Paul have been screaming about that for decades, and that 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 don't even make sense. Audit the bastards. What would that? Come on. What would that mean to audit them? What would it? What would we learn? It would mean. Do you know what you would learn? You would you would learn that 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 much of the uh, of, of of the wealth of the United States has been stolen. Has been. Uh, you would you would learn who it, right now are the shareholders. Wouldn't you like to know who right now the present shareholders? You don't. Nobody knows that now. Of the Fed are. We know who they were in the beginning, but who are they now? Right. Right. Okay. So I mean, number one, no, audit. From the beginning, many many foreign bankers owned shares in the federal. Well, who owns the shares in the Federal Reserve right now? Because they're 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 controlling our our economy. Right, right. So audit the Fed. Uh, audit the Fed. Restore using real money. Based, would you go to the gold standard? I would go. I would go on any commodity. You, any gold, any commodity in the world, even on heroin, I'd go on as long <laughs> as it's a commodity. Seriously. Uh, Richard, I'm saying right now, it's look at right now. The money can be withdrawn, manufactured at whim, right. and therefore we can be we can be tossed overnight into a recession, right. or we can be we, we can benefit from a prosperity all because of a, 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 a small group of international bankers. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, so out of the Fed, go back on, on the gold. Commodity. Go back on. It can't okay. be oil because oil is declining in value right now. Right. I, I don't know. It, how about not not only gold? If, if you how about electricity? Gold, iron ore. I don't care. How about Make electricity? How about electricity? <laughs> That's well. The problem with the there. Look at that. that 
make it even make it anything. Make it make it water. Okay. All right. No point taken. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor that point. I mean, but we can, you know, come up with any commodity. Sure. Okay. So back to a, a commodity-based currency. Uh, yeah. Then what do we do? And then, then you, then, then once you, 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 we have to see. We have to take control. We have to stop endless war. Stop war can only be declared by an act of Congress. Going back in 1965, when I was drafted, Richard. Back in the day when you weren't even thought of yet, what happened was Lyndon Bain Johnson appeared on television and he said, our fleet, the United States fleet, has just been attacked by the North Vietnamese. There are hundreds of dead sailors floating in the Gulf of Tonkin. We have to have military action immediately. So hundreds of thousands of of us Yanks were, were drafted and sent to Vietnam, and it was all bullshit. The, the North Vietnamese never fired on our fleet. Never did anything like that. There were no dead bodies of sailors. But we went in there and bombed the daylights out of Vietnam, went into a war. After that, you had George H.W. Bush saying, Oh, guess what? Saddam Hussein has gone into Kosovo, and he's removing all these babies from incubators and throwing them on oh, the floors of Kuwait. the hospitals. Kuwait, he's worse yeah. than Adolf Hitler. Do you remember all this stuff? You, uh, yeah, yeah okay. I just want to, correct, I want to correct you. You said Kosovo. You meant Kuwait. Uh, but, yeah, no, I... Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, that's I right. to quit. Yeah, that's I'm right. thinking of Kosovo, because Kosovo is another one. There you, have, you have Clinton saying, oh, in Kosovo, these uh, uh, Christian Serbs are, are massacring the ethnic Albanians and at Rasak. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of ethnic Albanians buried in mass. It's all crap. We bombed the daylights out of Kosovo. Then you had uh, George W. Bush saying, oh, guess what? Uh... Saddam Hussein is developing ma- weapons of ma- mass destruction. We have to bomb the crap out of him. Then you had uh, Barack Gaddafi. insane Obama saying that uh, in in Libya right now, uh, Gaddafi is turning the guns on his own people. He's going to slaughter all lies. So we go into war. We bomb the deal. Stop it. Stop it. Right. Right. But don't you let me just war ask you is only and it's only to further the 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 the, the interest of the money cartel who remain fixated, by the way, on, on the, the vast resources, reserves of natural gas and oil and, and, and the and, and the basin of the Caspian Sea. But that's a different matter. OK, you, you stop endless war. Do you know what else you do? You stop university funding. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Drew, where graduate. They don't need money. They do not need money. Okay? Stop it. A lot of these schools that exist solely on federal funds aren't producing degrees worth crap. And they're producing students who only graduate from um, United States colleges and universities with one thing, debt. Astronomical. Stop funding universities throughout the United States. That's, that's, That's a must, too. Uh, what will that impose, accomplish? Impose, impose tariffs. You know, the United States, before, it, 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 before the, the federal uh, income, income tax, graduated income tax, and the Federal Reserve came into being, existed by tariffs. We're the industrial hub of the world, okay? By that, the, the government can earn its own by imposing tariffs. 
Another thing you have to, and with that, you can you downsize the government. Right now, in the United States, it, in in, in two thousand, twenty seven percent of the Americans, America, uh, the United people of the United States, excuse me, made their living through industry. Now, twenty seven percent make their living by working for the government. Let me ask you about tariffs here for a second, and and, sure. uh, and that is uh, the the argument is. If you look at what free trade has done, yes, there's always winners and losers, but by and large, we are eradicating the worst of the poverty, abject poverty, at an incredible rate. And many people attribute that to free trade, or at least liberalized trade. How do you respond? Uh, that's not true. No? I mean, what, what, what free trade has, has brought is the exact reverse of that. It has brought about the globalization of poverty. The people in the United States right now are impoverished. Right now, the, the factories, the manufacturing of goods have all gone to third world countries. Capital is fluid. The labor, labor force is stationary. Our labor force is stationary. People in the United States right now are happy when they get a, a job for $15 an hour at a Walmart. That is not, that is p- poverty. They're living in poverty. They're, they're, they, they graduate from college and they're terrible debt. They increase their debt when they buy a house and buy a car when they have kids. They die in, they die under reverse mortgages. Richard, what this has brought, what, what, what free trade has brought, and this is from Cecil Rhodes and Morgan, their number one principle was free trade has brought poverty. What about trade wars? How can, right, well, you see, the, the, the fact is, right, that's when we talked about Nixon. How could, how could anybody really, uh, if we really had a trade war, the United States, even at this point, would prevail? Sure, sure. But that, then people would say, well, but what why about... Do we care, why do we care about enriching China, who, by the way, you know, they, they don't buy our goods anyhow, or, or Germany? I mean, I, I, what about I, I, your I, that, friendly neighbors to the north, Paul? <laughs> well, that, that, that's that's. I, I think that, in all honesty, that's that's the legitimate question because we're more than that. We're brothers. That's different. That's different. I mean, they, they can, there can be a different. But 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 the, the fact is about uh, the, the the problem right now with with our friends up north. You, you know, you, you, I mean, your prime minister up there, and uh, you, you also have the problem of Quebec. Who uh, you know? I don't know. I don't know how you deal with them. I mean, they 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 can't stand the United States. They they, they think they're they, they can't stand Cana- They can't stand uh, well uh, English Canadians. There, you know what? There's uh, there's certainly, and we've been through this several times with them. There is, though, there um, uh, an appreciation for their own culture, which I admire. You know, they they want to preserve their culture totally in their own language. Yeah, but yes. I mean, once again, I mean, hey, form form their own country. Well, if I always say, if they go, I hope they'll take us with them. Uh, <laughs> listen, we are out of time, but this has been an absolute uh, uh, joy and pleasure to have you on, Paul. Thank you so much for this. Again, The Killing of Uncle Sam, and that's available uh, at all, all good bookstores, Amazon. And people should use it in their classrooms. Uh, that that may be a bit of a pipe dream until uh, until uh, things change. But let's. I agree. I agree. Uncle Sam book killing Uncle Sam book dot com killing Uncle Sam book dot com. Thank you so much, Paul. Right. Thank you. All right. right. Bye bye.
All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Ian Robertson. Back next week with Carl Gallup's Gods of Ground Zero. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.